Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. Turn in your Bibles or your iPhone or your whatever to Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. We'll get there in a moment. But today is Pastor Chris and Candy's 23rd wedding anniversary. And we know Chris got the better part of that deal. Uh, Would you stretch your hands out toward Pastor Chris and Candy and Allison this morning? Father, we thank you that, Lord, in the fullness of time and your great love, you put two hearts together and made them one. And that, Father, in that day, they've been walking together with you as the center of their lives for, for 23 years. Lord, we ask that this be the beginning of forever. And, that, Father, that thank you that you put, when you put two things together, they're together for good, and we trust you in that. We pray that, Lord, you would bless them with your presence and peace. But most of all, Lord, we pray that you would give them fresh revelation of how their marriage is going to be a light into the world. And that, Father, that you would grant them great grace to walk through these days of testing and trial. We just give you praise for them. We thank you that you sent them here. And we're asking you to pour your presence on them today. And let this be a very special day. And give them rest this week. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, bless them, Lord. Yeah. Bless them, Lord. Wow. Well, we come to an end of a four-week series I've been sharing with you over the last four weeks entitled Learning to Live Loved. And uh, it's been fun for me. Our kickoff verse for this was Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 in Paul's prayer that Paul prayed for us that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which is beyond knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And uh, this morning, and um, I want to share with you the kind of the conclusion uh, of this series, uh, because I'm convinced in a world of confusion and distortion and disinformation and insecurity, the one who knows, one who's settled uh, and sure, holds the advantage regardless of the circumstances. It's the person who knows, who's confident. And so the question I want to ask you this morning is, what are you sure of? What are you sure of? Your insure inflation is not a transitory situation, right? You're sure of gas prices are getting too high. And a lot of us are sure we don't know what's going to change next. But there's one thing more important than any of that. And that one thing is a follower of Christ, you are loved with an unearned, unrestrained, unchanging, unconditional love of God. There is a settled hope. There is a confident expectation that is promised in Scripture that the one who trusts Christ can have that love life foundation that will set you free from fear of the what-ifs And to live planted in His love. 
So this morning, I want to share with you uh, Romans chapter 3, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39 from the Living Translation. And it's just going to be on the screen, but I want you to, I want you just to listen to it. Paul saying, kind of at the conclusion of this whole Romans 5 through 8 especially. He says, and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from, the, from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm convinced. Say that with me. I'm convinced. Because that's, that's where we're headed. I want you to know that if you're going to be rooted and grounded in the love of God, you're going to have to be convinced of some things. Mainly convinced that nothing will separate you from the love of God. That word convinced in the Greek is pepesimai. And it's more than just believing something or being persuaded of something or feeling like something is true. It's this idea that I've come through a process of persuasion to a settled conclusion. I've come through a process of persuasion, of convincing, until now it's settled in my heart, my mind, my life, that nothing will separate me from the love of God. That's a good place for amen. You've got to understand... There's nothing better than nothing separating you from God's love. Now, now, hear me. It's not that he's talked himself into something. You know, we can talk ourselves into a lot of things. He's not talking about he's talked himself into thinking this, or he's hoped it would be true. He stands convinced. Not that he's persuaded himself. That's what this... Language here. Not that he's persuaded himself, but he's come through a process of persuasion. In other words, something else has persuaded him. Persuaded him in absolute certainty that nothing could ever separate us from God's love. Now that sounds audacious until you see what Paul is basing it upon. In other words, what was the process... That persuaded him. And to see this, you have to look back to what has persuaded or thoroughly convinced him. And that goes back to, all the way back to verse 29. In fact, it goes back to Romans 1. But we won't go that far today. That was supposed to be funny. Uh, Romans 8, 29. And I want to read it out of the message. Eugene Peterson's uh, interpretation of these verses in the Greek. And and I want you to just, it's going to be on the screen, but I want you to just follow along, and I just want you to hear it with your spirit. Verse 29, God knew what He was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outside, outset to shape the lives of those who love Him along the same lines as the life of His Son. The Son stands first in the line of humanity, in the line of humanity He restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in Him. 
After God made that decision of what His children should be like, He followed it up by calling people by name. And after He called them by name, He set them on a solid basis with Himself. And then after getting them established, He stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what He had begun. Verse 31, So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing Himself to the worst by sending His own Son, is there anything else He wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us. Verse 35, do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. No trouble, nor hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing. Not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sticky. We're, we're sticky. I don't know why I say that. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. Verse 38. These are the verses we just got through. I'm absolutely convinced. That nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our Master, has embraced us. Romans 8, if you have an opportunity, just sit down and read Romans 8 and read it in different translations so that you can get it in your spirit and not just in your head. Romans 8, Romans 8 starts out with, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And it ends up that there's no separation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're not only not condemned, you're never going to be condemned. And nothing is going to separate you from what God has planned for you. Nothing. But here's the point. He stood convinced of it. And he hadn't convinced himself. He looked back at what Christ had done and the process of his life brought about a convincing that he would stand through beatings, through trouble, through being cast out dead. You remember, Paul was one of those guys that was killing the Christians. And now he's one of them being killed because he is one. There were people that had already signed a covenant with one another. And as Jews, they knew what a covenant meant. And they had sworn that they would not eat again and sleep again until Paul was dead. Now, I've had people talk about me bad before. But as far as I know, I don't think I have anybody planning my death. Don't tell me if you are. I'm absolutely convinced. Two things I want you to see this morning. God's love will not fail you. God's love will not fail us. 
The entire process of choosing and saving and restoring and providing has been God's idea. And the accomplishment of it is God's from the start. We didn't come up with the idea. He did. Verse 31. If God be for us, who can be against us? Well, it seems like a lot of people can be against us, but that's not what he's talking about. If God be for us, who can be against us because we're in Him? So to be against us, they're going to have to be against Him. Now, I don't know about you, but I, people can get things on me, but they don't get anything on God. He who spoke this all into existence could speak it out. Don't think that anything... In heaven or in earth or under the earth, anything can change the God who is working these things out. It may, whether you believe it or not, let me tell you something, your belief doesn't change God. If God be for us, who? Well, the answer is nobody. Nobody. Satan, the world, the governments, the powers, the potentates, anyone you can think of can't hold back God's favor or hinder His work and His plan. God will not withhold anything from you that is best for you. Number 32. How do you know that? Verse 32. He who did not spare His own Son but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? That word in the Greek there where it says spare, he will not spare his own son, is the same word that's used in the Septuagint in the Old Testament where Abraham takes Isaac up on the, and he's fixing to offer him on the altar. And the Lord spared him. Spared him because cut in the, caught in the thicket was a ram. You gotta understand, Isaac was already on the wood, and he was about to light the fire, and the knife was drawn, and the angel spoke to him and said, spare him. The same word, God didn't spare His Son. God didn't spare Him. There wasn't a ram caught in the thicket for His Son. In fact, we are the Isaacs and Jesus is the ram. He spared us. He didn't spare Him. And if He didn't spare Him because of us, do you think there's anything He's going to withhold from us If He didn't spare His own Son, but He gave Him up for us, don't you think He will freely and fully give us everything that He has purposed and planned that's for our best to accomplish His purposes for His glory? If you don't understand that, I can tell you, you're not convinced. Well, He wasn't through. Verse 33 It says, who shall bring a charge? Who's going to bring an accusation against God's chosen, His elect, those He's called by name? Who's going to bring a charge, an accusation? Who's going to stand before the throne and tell them what we've done? Listen to this. God has declared us right with Himself. God has justified. He didn't justify us because we're just. Justify is a a legal term that talked about to declare right, to declare not guilty, to declare righteous. 
Did you know that through the blood of Jesus Christ you've been cleansed from all sin and the righteousness of God has been a gift to you by the blood of Jesus Christ? It's not a righteousness that depended on your actions. It's not a righteousness that depended on your goodness. It's a righteousness that depended on the actions of Jesus and the goodness of God. And He has given it to you as a free gift. Who's going to come up and say, well, do you know what Daryl did to God? And here's what God would say, do you know what Jesus did for Daryl? You've got to understand. Nothing will convince you until you get convinced that God has made you right with Himself on the basis of His Son who paid the price for you. God's love's not going to fail you. Nobody can accuse you. Well then, verse 34, who is He who condemns? That means to bring legal accusation or legal uh, documents against you to bring you to guilt. Who's going to condemn you? Who can come before Him and and bring a sentence of guilt when, when Christ is the one who died for us and was raised victorious over sin and death and now sits at the right hand of God in full view and He's standing up for us, making intercession for us. Two kinds of intercession. One intercession is this, that God, we think of intercession as praying for us, and He is. The other intercession is He's standing between you and God, between the enemy and God, and He's standing there for you. He is your intervene in anything that could be brought up against you. He is the one, is your advocate, First John tells us. He's your defense lawyer, only He's a lawyer that's never lost a case. And he's never going to lose a case because justice has been served. On a cross 2,000 years ago, God's love's not going to fail. Paul says, I'm convinced. I stand persuaded. Now, it's easy to be convinced that God's love won't fail us. But the next verses, verse 35, tell us about something about that, that... Sometimes we miss. It's what if we fail God? What if we fail God? Look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? You see, these things are not going to happen in heaven. These things are not... Who's going to separate us from... You see, tribulation has to do with what we're go, what's going on now. What's going on here. What's going on with you. Anybody have any turbulent times lately? Anybody stressed out? Now listen to me. Listen to me. What if in my tribulation and in my distress and in my lack... What if I fail God? Will that separate me from Christ's love? Look at it again. Tribulation. There's a beautiful picture in the Greek. I don't have time to mess with it, but it's just like something's been drug over you as you're 
You see, I'm going to tell you anyway. Something's been drugged over you, and it's just been... You, you ever felt like you've been under the roller, and everything's just rolling over? That's what he's... Steamrolled. That's a good word. Steamrolled. What if tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, that means... That word famine means not that there's empty shelves at Walmart. Famine means you don't have the necessities of life. Or nakedness, homelessness, or peril, or sword. And that word sword doesn't mean you're going to get in a fight. That word sword means somebody's threatening to take your life. Listen to what Paul says. As it's written, for your sake. The reason these things are happening to us is because we're followers of Christ. For your sake, we're killed all the day long. We're, we're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Now, before we, before we go on, I want you to hear this. I want us, especially in an American church, we've got to face the reality that we've been addicted to comfort. We've been addicted to ease. We've been, we've been addicted to getting our own way. What's going to happen in the American church when tribulation and distress and persecution? Is God still going to love us? Is the love of Christ going to last? Is it going to work? Am I? Now, here's the thing. It's not about is... Because here's the word is, will the love of Christ, will it separate us from the love of Christ? Paul's not denying that there's going to be trouble, there's going to be trials, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, homelessness, threat, danger. It does come, it will come. Why? Because of Him, because we're followers of Christ. There's no promise of a life of ease or a life without difficulties or problems or threats. Just Get that through. There's no promise of ease. There's promise of victory. Now here's the thing. In other words, Paul's just saying expect it. Expect it to be that way and expect it to be hard. Here's the deal. Will you... What if you fail? What if you don't stand up? What if you step aside? What if you back off? What if the pain is too great? The risk is too high? Will it separate me? Will it separate me? That word is corizo. Pull me apart or put asunder is actually the literal word that's translated in other places in the Bible. Jesus used the same word when He said a man and woman... Who God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Let not man sever or separate. Well, if, if I back away, if I, if I blow it, if I mess up, if I don't stand, if I fail, will the love of Christ, will that separate me from the love of Christ? Will it divorce me? Think about that word. Will it divorce me from my relationship with God? Here's my answer. I want you to note the words, the love of Christ. Will it divorce me from the love of Christ? It's not saying, will it divorce me from my love for Christ? You see, it's not your love for Christ that's going to keep us. 
He's not asking, can our love for Christ stand these tests? Let me just be honest with you. Our love for Christ can't even stand a temptation. You ever been on a diet? I'm going to have self-control until Lay's potato chips is right there. I have every excuse of why I can do it tomorrow. We think we have these great troubles. Folks, our, our love for Christ didn't even keep us from temptation. What's it going to keep us from when... You see, it's not your love for Christ. It's Christ's love for you. Because let me just be honest with you. You are going to fail. You're, going to, you're not going to measure up in every way. There's going to be times when the pain is more than your faith. What's going to happen then? Let me tell you, the love of Christ is not going to change one iota. God's love for you is not going to change. It's not going to separate. There's not going to be any divorce papers. He's asking, do you believe, do you stand convinced that the love of Christ for you will stand these tests? And then he says in verse 37, and this is the best part. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. I'm going to say it again. It's not our love for Christ or God. It's God's love for us. And then it says, who loved, past tense, who loved us. Now, why did he say loving? Because he is loving us right now. But Paul said the thing that's going to persuade you, to make you stand convinced that Christ has already done everything necessary for you to know that you're loved. And to know that love's not changing. Because God, Christ didn't come, God didn't come up with this idea and send Christ when you were okay, when you were good. Romans 5 tells us that when, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That Christ died for the ungodly. And if that's so, if Christ would die for the ungodly when we were yet sinners, not when we were friends, but when we were enemies, how much more shall we be saved by His living and loving us? Paul says then, it says, in fact, we're more than conquerors through Him. The word more than conquerors is one word in the Greek. It's hypernikeo. Hypernikeo. It's actually hypernikeo. But I like hyper because I am one. Hyper. Hooper Nikeo. Hooper means far more exceeding, beyond, overwhelming. Nikeo, anybody got Nikes on this morning? Nike is the Greek word for victor or conqueror. In other words, Paul says, in all of these things, in all of these things, what things? Tribulation, trouble, all of those things... You're more than a conqueror. You go way beyond being a victor. You're victorious. Now, I love this because I've learned something. It's what you learn after you knew it all. It counts. This is not saying you, you win. You win. In the end, you win. It's not saying you coped. You made it. 
That's not what this word says. This word says you win and there's not even a scratch to show you were in a fight. Now, I don't know about you. I haven't been in a lot of fights in my life, but the one of the fights that I like to be in is one that I know I'm going to not have a scratch. Now, think about that, what he's saying. You're not just going to make it. You're going to be an overwhelming, victorious warrior thanks to Jesus Christ. You... you, There's not going to be a mark on you when you get there with Him. Don't you hear me? Because we think some of us are going to limp in. We're just barely going to make it. I just made it. I just made it. Now the Scripture does say that it's going to be some by the skin of their teeth. That just may be timing and not... Because here's what he's saying is you're an overwhelming conqueror. Now, don't you listen to me. The only scars for battle that's going to be in heaven is the scars on Jesus' hands and in His side. The only scars going to be in heaven because that was enough. You don't win your way there. The way's been won. The way's been won. And if you think anything else is going to get you there, then you're not convinced of the one that's already been won. And you're going to be fit to be tied when things come your way that you don't think you deserve. Let me tell you, you don't deserve one thing. Christ deserves it all. Because He, He has redeemed you. He has paid the price. I love it. Uh, not even smell a smoke on you. That's another sermon. Folks, listen to me. You don't just stand up against the trouble. You overcome it completely. And let me be honest with you. The greatest danger, the greatest danger confronting us today may not be the opposition of the world. The greatest danger that probably confronts us as the church is the enticements of the world. When the world persecutes us, let me tell you, when you get in trouble in the world and you're a believer, what you usually does is that drives you to turn to God and you remember who you are. You remember this world's not what it's all about. And you remember Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. And so when you start to get persecuted and accused and to be threatened because you're followers of Christ, you realize you don't belong to this world. The world is not what it's all about. We have a home not made with hands but eternal in the heavens in the love of God. We're His people. Then why would God allow trouble? Well, Romans 5 tells us, in Romans 5, verses 3 through 5, it says, Trouble produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, which is confident expectation. And hope will not disappoint. Because God's love has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We have a le- uh, the love of God present within us in a person. And He's not letting go. Let me read it again, Romans eight thirty-eight and 39. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from, the love, from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, 
Neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Who's the us? Who's the us? You see, this whole chapter is not written to them. It's written to us. Who's the us? It's very specific. It's not because we're Americans or we're uh, in church. It's not because we were raised in America or raised in a Christian home. That doesn't make us us. You see, there's very specific things. If you go back to verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, if you believe the love of God, you, believe, you can believe in the love of God until you're blue in the face. But if you don't understand what the love of God has done in Christ Jesus and received Him for your personal Lord and Savior, you're not the us. You see, we have a lot of people in our world today, we have a lot of churches that are preaching a gospel today that says God is love and everything's okay. And while they're talking about how much God loves and what God does and how God won't do and all this kind of stuff, I want you to know something. God hates sin. And He is going to punish sin unless it is taken care of in His Son, Jesus Christ. People can believe in the love of God and reject the gospel. In other words, I came to Jesus because I knew I was a sinner. Not just that I'd sinned. I had a problem that wasn't about my actions, it was about my heart. As I was separated from God. i got to get through. Yeah. Folks, listen to me. We got people in our world that say they believe in the love of God, but they reject the gospel. They don't believe in a God who must punish sin. A God who would send His own Son to die because all have sinned. They imagine they believe in the love of God when in reality they believe in their definition and their conception of love. And that's not God's love. There's no love of God that can be known except in and through Christ Jesus. There's no one who will ever know the love of God without believing and trusting themselves to the Lord Jesus. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. This is the only way you're going to know it. And Paul was so adamant, he just kept saying it, kept saying it, kept saying it. Finally, he said, I stand convinced. Because of Jesus Christ... Nothing, not what I've done, not what they've done to me, no matter what. I, nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Are you convinced? Not not just have you decided to believe. I'm not even asking that. I'm not asking you. Uh, did you, when you were in vacation Bible school one summer in Texas in the heat, you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to, today, do you stand convinced that nothing will separate you from the love of God? I'm, no, no. Can the pain get too bad? 
can the trouble be so severe? You're going to have to make up your own. Have you been persuaded? Have you had enough in your life to persuade you that neither death nor life nor principalities nor powers, neither things present nor things to come, there's nothing in this world, in this created universe that can separate me from the love of God because it doesn't depend on me. It depends on His love for me. And I stand amazed in the presence of the one who loves me that way. Listen, it'll not only set you free, it'll light you fire. When you know you are loved, and you'll start living from love and not to get loved. You'll start living from that rooting and grounding in the love of Christ, and all of a sudden you'll start experiencing the fullness of God's life in you. Because you know you are loved. Okay, one more thing. Paul didn't say, I stand convinced that my circumstances are going to change because God loves me. He didn't say, my trials are going to stop because God loves me. He didn't say, the persecution is not going to come my way or be resolved or I'm not going to have to pay for my sins. He stood convinced that he was loved by God and that that that, that was more than enough for anything that could come into his life. And he lived love. Apostle Paul lived loved. Corey Ten Boone was a, in a Nazi death camp in, called Ravensbrück. And she writes this out of her book, her memoirs. <clears throat> she said the roll call would come about 4.30 every morning and most mornings were, were very cold and sometimes the women would be forced to stand out in the open area without moving for hours in bone-chilling pre-dawn darkness. Nearby were the punishment barracks where all day and far into the night you would hear the sounds of the cruelty, the blows landing in regular rhythm and screams keeping pace. But Corey and her sister Betsy had a Bible. They'd smuggled one in. And in every opportunity they would gather the women together like orphans around a blazing fire, she wrote. And they would read, Betsy would read to them Romans chapter 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? They'll think where they are. They're not going to live through it. Corey came out. Betsy didn't. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Listen, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And Corey wrote this. She said, I would look around as Betsy read watching the light leap from face to face of those women. More than conquerors. It wasn't a wish. It was a fact. We knew it. We experienced it minute by minute in an ever-widening circle of help and hope. Life at Ravensbrook took place on two separate levels. One, the observable external grew every day more horrible. The other, the life that we lived with God grew daily better. Truth upon truth, glory upon glory. They stood convinced they were loved. 
and they were more than conquerors. I hope this morning you stand convinced. The only way you'll ever do that is by knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do you know Him? Now, I don't know. I'm not saying, do you know about Him? How long you've been a Christian? All that. I'm saying, today, do you know Jesus loves you, died for you, rose for you, sent His Holy Spirit to live in you? Do you know that that is your hope? That that is your cleansing? That the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin? If not, say yes to Him. That's what I want, God. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm lost. I know without you I cannot experience any of that. I trust you. In this room, there's a lot of Christians that have been uncomfortable. Things are not going the way they thought we thought they would. Things aren't happening the way that we thought they would. Things aren't going the things that I thought I was promised and the ease that it was going to be. And life is getting a little bit tougher I stand convinced that none of this is going to affect the love of God. Maybe you need to be convinced again. God never promised us ease. He promised us life. More than a conqueror. We're going to get through this and there's not even going to be a scar to show for it. Not a scratch. You said, well, they can take my life. No, they can't. My life's in Christ. They can take this physical life. They can't touch me. Can they touch you? I stand convinced. Stand with me. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning. It's not a public... Listen, it's not, you don't need a preacher standing up front to take your hand and lead you in a sinner's prayer. You're the sinner. Pray the prayer. Jesus, I need you. The other side of that is, quit making God's promises when you know that He's already made promises to you. Take, the one, take Him up on what He's promised you. Quit being scared. Jesus Christ is Lord. Stand convinced. Daryl for doing the study and doing the hard work and doing what God's asked him to do is provide us 
the real teaching that we need to be able to go through life and to be able to help others see that it's the love of God that makes life possible. We've all been, if you've been in church more than 10 minutes, somebody's told you that God's watching out and He's just waiting for you to do something wrong so He can... I've heard that my whole life. There's enough people in this world right now who are trying to put a, a, a badge on you or put a name on you, tell you who you are, where you belong, or what side you're on. What they need to hear is that God loves you and there's nothing you can do that will separate you from that love. And that I can see, just like Corey Ten Boom, if you start sharing the love of God, you'll see that light come on in their eyes too because that's what they need to hear. All these people that the devil has pushed aside and tried to separate and get them off by themselves so he can keep lying to them, they need to hear the truth. God loves you and there's nothing you can do that can separate you from that and there's life in it. You'll see it. Amen. Tell somebody this week that God loves them. Prove it to them. Show them God's love in you to them. That's a challenge right there. It is if you run with my friends. (laughs) Let me give you a few quick announcements. If you have a child going to camp this summer, you need to come see Miss Amanda tonight at 5 o'clock in the West Building. Sign some papers. Get some last-minute instructions about your child going to camp. So, parents with children going to camp, be at the West Building this this evening at 5 o'clock. June is the month that we're supporting New Beginnings of Restoration Hope here in Lampasas, Lampasas County. Serving unwed mothers and giving them the truth that they need about who they are and the choices that they have. So there's baby bottles outside on the table. Grab one, take it home, fill it full of loose change, dollar bills. If you want to write a check, you can just grab one of our envelopes, write MBRH or baby bottle drive, something in the memo. We'll make sure they get that. You don't even have to take a baby bottle home. Lastly, Wednesdays during the month of June, Pastor Darrell is doing a study in the fellowship hall on Wednesday nights at 630 called Holy Habits. If you can't make it to be here at 630, it's online. We're broadcasting it, uh, Facebook Live, and we had, I don't know, 30 people join us online last Wednesday. So if, you, if you're running late from work or whatever, don't worry about it. You can still get there and watch it anytime. And next week, anybody know what next Sunday is? It's Father's Day. It's Father's Day. Come on. Show the love of God to your father. Give him a call. Let him know that you love him and uh, uh, be thankful that you have a dad. All right. Thank you all. Show the love of God to somebody this week and y'all be blessed together. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 